This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? And good morning, Buffalo. <laughs> good morning, Buffalo. Absolutely. Also joining us this morning, former Toronto uh, Maple Leaf, former Buffalo Sabre, uh, Washington Capitol, Leapin' Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. How are you? Good morning, Wally. I'm well-rested tonight. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that you're well rested. That's uh, that's good news. Uh, lots to talk about today. We've got the big game last night. Uh, Buffalo Bills. The Leafs are, uh, as they say, uh, two out of three ain't bad. Um, and uh, we'll get into all of that. But uh, guys, I guess we should probably do a college football wrap up. Uh, you guys are the Alabama guys. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say a stunning performance, but an overwhelming performance by the Tide uh, Monday night against a pretty good Ohio State team. Alabama basically uh, rolled over everybody this year. I guess that's why they call them Roll Tide. Um, Naz, I'll just really quickly and then over to you, Lou. Uh, Devontae Smith is tremendous and uh, great receiver are hard to find and he's a beauty. Yeah, I, I've uh and uh had a brief discussion with Lou the other day and also with you, Ness. I've never seen a receiver in college football have have such a dominating effect on a on a uh college football game the way Devontae Smith did this year. Heisman trophy winner, well deserved you know, they took uh, the Tide, uh, beat some good teams. They had to go, I think, you know, I mean, they had to play their entire schedule within the SEC, which is the toughest, toughest conference in in, in, in major college football. Um, they did it. Nobody got close to them except for, you know, one game, and that was throwaway points at the end. Lou, just the best Alabama team ever. Well, I guess statistics show that it is the best Alabama team ever. Um, you know, the, the, the proof is in the pudding there. They, they, they dominated every team that they had except for maybe two that they were scared of the Ole Miss and the Florida game. Did they did score a couple of points at the end of the at the end of the ball game? Uh, it, it's just more. It's just like like this kid came out of nowhere, Mac Jones. Whoever expected him to be a, a Heisman candidate at the end of the year? Uh, he was a three-star quarterback. He was a third quarterback in line behind uh, Jalen Hurts and Tua coming in. Um, he had a he had a letter of intent already signed with the University of Kentucky. He would have been the starter, but even he said it that if he would have gone to Kentucky, he would have had to start that first year. He probably he was so immature uh, that probably wouldn't have done well. But with the time in the in the classroom and, and under his. Uh, 
understudies there. He, he became the quarterback that he is, and now he's he's rated in the first round. It it was just amazing just watching uh, this game on Monday night. It was more or less like picture poison, guys. Who do you want to get beat by? Uh, is it Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, the Canadian boy John Mechie? Uh, and at the end of the day, it was just a, I text everybody, it was just a total destruction of the game. It was just, uh, it was great to see. But again, now they lose these guys. And it's, uh, and for Nick Saban, he's lost four offensive coaches, um, off his staff. So for him, it's just another so-called rebuild. They got the top class coming in in 19, 2021 that is loaded with Offensive linemen and defensive linemen. So we'll see where they, where it goes right now. And, uh, I guess they're just, uh, reloading for next year and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully somebody can give Alabama a run at some point next year. Naz, is this, uh, uh, we've been watching college football for a long, long time. Uh, this Alabama team, certainly on the offensive side of center, um, did some things. I think I've never seen in college football before. Um, is this the best Alabama team? And where does it rank in terms of the best college football teams of all time? There's, you know, they talk about the, uh, they talk about the early seventies, Nebraska teams. Um, they talk about some of the old Notre Dame teams, the USC team with Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart. Um, there's been some great, uh, Great, great, and of course the the University of Miami teams. When uh, when uh, can you remember the, uh, the the Dallas Cowboy coach? What was his name again? Um, um, yeah, you know there have been some great college football teams over time. Uh, where does uh, where does this Alabama team fit in? You're thinking of Jim Johnson, right? Jim John, that's it. Yeah. It's right up there. They're so dominant. That's the thing. Like they were both dominant on offense and defense. And they could beat you any which which way. And not many teams have been like that. Great team in Alabama this year. Yeah, certainly. And uh, going back to Lou's point, uh, you know, so so many weapons this team had, and uh, you know, Mac Jones, uh, you know, and he's apparently he's declared for the draft, so he's going into the draft this year. Um, I mean, with the weapons that he had, with the offensive line that he had, um, you know, and, and I thought about it before the game where they played, before they played Notre Dame. And, you know, I thought Ohio State, <laughs> a coach would have been able, after having watched that game, I thought he might be able to come up with a game plan. And, man, there's just, there's, you know, they just couldn't figure out a way, I mean, to get for, for Devontae Smith not to get the ball. And, you know, what, what was it, Lou? Over 200 yards in receiving only in the first half? Because he didn't really play the second half, did he? No, And remember, they didn't even have Jalen Waddle, who was probably coming out of uh, at the start of the year, that he was going to be the, the main feature on the offense. And when he got hurt, it more or less it just put uh, Devontae Smith on the map even more, and they, they singled him out, and they just put him in positions with the schemes that the Sarkeesian had. They had him in a position where he was always moving, and nobody knew who was watching him, and it just confused the defense uh, that they were playing against completely. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we've uh, I think we've uh, talked about, I mean, you've got to put college football to bed. We've got uh, Carlo Koliakovo, uh, TSN hockey analyst, 
analysts coming up after the first break. After the second break, we'll be bringing back John Amendola. We'll talk some sports cards. Uh, biggest, biggest uh, value of sports card ever sold for this week the mickey mantle the 52 top sold for 5.2 million us the mona lisa of sports cards oh we'll talk to john himadola about that after the second break uh, just to leave college football behind uh i'll take a parting shot they uh they dropped Notre dame from number four to number five i've got a i've got a stick up for the irish i i really thought they shouldn't have dropped uh i i thought they gave uh, other than Florida, uh, they gave Alabama, I wouldn't say they gave them a game, uh, but they held them to 31 points, which, uh, which was in retrospect a, uh, I see it as a moral victory. Uh, in that sense, I don't know why A&M went over them. I know they beat North Carolina, but Notre Dame beat North Carolina at North Carolina as well. I thought Notre Dame should have moved up to number three. Uh, guys, on uh, I'll leave it at that. I don't know what your thoughts are on that really, really quickly, and we'll take it to break. I think they, they should be ranked fourth anyway. Fourth. Luke? Uh, well, it, 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 you know what? It's a flip of a coin. They didn't think that uh, Notre Dame should have been in in the beginning. They thought that, uh, that probably Texas A&M was going to be in there. I guess it's all... Uh, it's all the way they, they view things. They put everything into perspective. It, it, it's a tough call on their behalf, and that's. I really think that's why next year or years, once this thing is over, the contract is over with the CSB there. I think they should go to six games or eight. Uh, sorry, six teams or eight teams. So this way, really, there there won't be any excuses, mind you. They're always going to find some excuses on where to rank the teams. But it, I think Notre Dame did put up a hell of a battle against uh, against Alabama. Um, you know, it's a flip of the coin on whether you want Texas A&M or, or Notre Dame at number four. Anyways, let's leave college football behind. There's so much other, uh, so many other things to talk about. We've got Carlo Coliacobo coming up. Uh, Naz, I'm going to really quickly over to you for uh, a minute or so, then we'll pick up the conversation with Carlo. Buffalo Bills last night, I'm sure you're thrilled. My eyes are sore. I had uh, my left eye watching the Toronto Maple Leafs and my right eye watching the Buffalo Bills until uh, until the Leafs game was over. Uh, trying to watch both of them. Uh, Buffalo Bills uh, give credit. Uh, their defense won the game last night, more so than their offense, and that's a good sign, isn't it, Ness? It is a very good sign. They can beat you each way, offensively and defensively. So. Can I look out for next week? We're going to play Cleveland or Kansas City. What do you uh, think if Cleveland Browns and Buffalo Bills play in the final? Now that would be uh, that'd be a retro game for all intents and purposes. That uh, if it was the Brownies and the Bills, that uh, I don't know people on uh, Zoomer Radio, people probably old enough to remember when we used to watch <laughs> NFL football in the '60s. You used to have NFL football on on Channel Four WBEN. At, and we'd have AFL football on NBC uh, in Buffalo, and it would be the Bills on NBC unless they were blacked out, and it would always be the Browns. Uh, usually it was the 1 o'clock game. We always got the Cleveland Browns game. So, you know, we get the Browns and the Bills. It's like it's like going back to the 50s and the 60s. Anyways, on that note, guys, we've got some more Bills talk coming up. We've got some Leafs talk. I'll be right back with Carlo Col- Coliacobo. 
it was a rainy day when Pizzaville and Headbands put our heads together to create the Family Game Night Special. Get two large pizzas with six toppings between them, four dips, six bread knots, or one pound of potato wedges, plus a free Headbands board game. All for just $36. It's the most fun you can have with your bubble. Order at pizzaville.ca, the Pizzaville app, or pound 3636. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby or rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. He is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Also uh, joining us this morning, Lou Franceschetti, and also on the phone with us, Carlo Coliacable, the host of TSN's First Up. Good morning, Carlo. How are you? Good morning, fellas. I am doing fantastic this morning. What a great day in sports it was last night. The Raptors win, the Leafs win, and oh yeah, my Buffalo Bills are on their way to the AFC Championship. Let's go! Hey, uh, let's go is right, Carlo. By the way, it's uh, not your Buffalo Bills. It's our Buffalo Bills. Nice. Uh, Love it. Bills Mafia. Represent. Love it. I don't. I don't even know where that term "Bills Mafia" came from. I, I, I'm not sure it existed in the early '90s, but apparently we're all we're all members of Bills Mafia exactly, now. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know where it came from, nor do I care where it came from. Because at the end of the day, it's pretty fun to be a part of right now. Uh, it certainly is, uh, Carlo. Uh, you, I, you know, of course, you're uh, you're uh, a Buffalo Bills fan. So tell us your. We were just Lou uh, Naz and I were just chatting about it very briefly during the break. Mm. We, wanted to, we wanted to we wanted to save most of the conversation for uh, when we had you on the air. Uh, Bills defense came up pretty big last night. It was the offense yeah. that had been carrying the Bills for a while, uh, but certainly uh, you want to look at uh, why the Bills won the game last night. Aside from the windy conditions, yeah, uh, it, it was their defense. Uh, 
your your impression it, to the game, Carlo? It it sure was their defense, and it was. Uh, I mean, it was it was a, a dogfight out there. Um, I think it was a game that people probably expected a lot more scoring in, and yes, the weather probably played a factor, as you saw when Josh Allen tried to complete some deep balls. Uh, the wind played a factor in the direction of the ball, um, and ultimately, uh, Baltimore, the success they've had with their six-game winning streak coming into this game was their ability to run the ball and ability to just torch defenses running the ball, not just with Lamar Jackson, but with their running game. And, um, you know, great job by Leslie Fraser, the defensive coordinator, stacking the box and almost playing a QB spy on Lamar Jackson. And they made life difficult for them. Um, they didn't give him much on first down. I mean, other than the first play of the game, didn't give him much on four, first down. Um and forced Lamar Jackson to probably make plays he wasn't comfortable with. And their pass rush was getting to Lamar Jackson. And, uh, they, you know, they created a strategy where they're forcing him to throw the ball, which is something, you know, he's not, which isn't really his strength of his game. And, um, you know, I, I think a little confusing with the way the Bills ran their offense. I mean, you talk about, I know you want the ball in your best player's hand with Josh Allen all the time, but, in the first half, when you're constantly throwing the ball, you're basically making life easy for the Baltimore defense, who, be, be, who sat back and just played the pass and didn't really establish much of a round, uh, ground game. But what I do give the Bills a lot of credit for, and this is why they're such a great team, is because of their ability to make adjustments at halftime. Uh, they go into the half, you know, tied 3-3, giving up a late field goal there to tie, to tie the game, but they bend and don't break. Uh, they come out in the first half, which is why they deferred on the coin toss. They make the adjustments that they necessarily need, and then they start running the ball. They start running the ball and create a balance in their offense. Next thing you know, Baltimore's back on their heels. The Bills find a way to get in the end zone. And when the Bills play with the lead, they're tough to beat. And ultimately, you know, I think everybody would say the turning point of the game was the pick six, 101-yard uh, um, touchdown return. Um, that, you know, opened the game up and made it a 14-point game and it allowed the Bills' defense to, again, feel a little bit more comfortable in their game, allow or at least try to make Lamar Jackson beat them in the air. And unfortunately, in the fourth quarter, you suffer an injury. And at that point, you kind of knew the game was sealed. And for the Bills fans, I mean, everybody coming in, everybody was loving the Ravens because of their running game. And I think that's been something that the Bills have always prided on all year. When people count them out that's when they're at their best and they find a way to 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 raise their level and they did last night they held a baltimore offense that was just torching teams down the stretch to only three points and what a big game what a what what a big win for the bills for the city for the franchise off the afc championship now nez johnson two touchdowns on pick six one against the steelers and one against Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. you're right. <laughs> where did where where did he come from? He was nowhere at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I'm really not sure, but you know that's been part of the 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 success story of this Bills team is you know for the first half of the year they struggled on defense, then they started to get guys healthy, and they really started to form an identity. And I, I've right down the stretch in the middle of I mean it's eight games in a row now, but you can even count the game against the, the Arizona Cardinals where they lost on a Hail Mary, this team could be 14-2 and two instead of 13-3. and three. And, you know, a lot of it is because, you know, their offense has been clicking on all cylinders. Um, you know, they for the, for, for the most part, they were scoring on almost every possession where their punter wasn't being used at all in the game. And it really allowed their defense <clears> to settle in and create their own identity. And for Johnson, 
Um, here's a guy who stepped up. I believe he's a rookie. And uh, he's, he's been playing some of his best football at the most important time of the year. And that's, we're gonna, what, that's what the Bills are going to continue to need, uh, you know, moving forward here in the AFC Championship game. And I love the fact, no matter who they're going to play, obviously there'll be a bigger underdog against the Chiefs because the Chiefs are the favorite to win. But even if they play the Browns, you know, if the Browns find a way to beat the Chiefs today, people are going to be riding on the Browns because, hey, you know what, they just beat the best team in football and they probably did it because of their running game. It'll be the same discussion about how the Ravens came in and their strength of their running game and how they're going to run over the Bills. I love this Bills team. They play with a chip on their shoulder. They're playing with confidence. And who's kidding who? You go into a, you go into a playoffs and you play two games with no turnovers and no consecutive penalties in two games you feel pretty good about your chances. And this Bills team has to feel pretty good about their chances, no matter who they play. Uh, we're talking to Carlo Coliaco, the coast, uh, co-host of TSN's First Up, Monday to Friday with Michael Landsberg. Uh, Lou, I'll give you an opportunity to engage with uh, your good friend, Carlo. What's up, Lou? Happy New Year, right, buddy. Carlo, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not a Bills fan. I, I grew up being, like you said, Wally, a Cleveland Browns fan, watching uh, Jim Brown, Leroy Kelly, uh, the uh, Paul Warfield, the, the, the drive with the yeah. Texas, uh, Denver Broncos, the fumble on the three yard oh, yeah. line. Those are all heartbreaks on my behalf. Yeah. And then they decided to pack up and go to Baltimore, and I just lost my interest after that. I, I you know what? Yesterday's game, I thought it was a total dominating game by by both defenses. Uh, unfortunately for Baltimore, uh, one play uh, was a difference in that. Um, it, it was just that. I guess that uh, old-style football, if you want to call it, that if you don't run the ball well, you you really don't succeed in that kind of weather. Uh-huh. Um, and it was it was funny to see because, like everybody brought up, with with Buffalo being more or less a pass-oriented team, they didn't run the ball at all. And then like that kind of weather, you really have to run the ball to mm-hmm. to succeed. Uh, because if, I, if I'm not mistaken, in the, in the third quarter. There's only one possession per team. Because, yeah, there was. Uh, there was. Uh, right. Buffalo did use probably eight minutes up in that touchdown drive, and then uh, uh, Baltimore came back and, and ran theirs. And unfortunately for uh, for Lamar Jackson, he threw the interception. Um, but and again, it was. I I thought it was like old style football, where really the, the best team that ran the ball was going to succeed uh, at the tail end. But they were pretty well two dominating defenses. Um, they came to play well, on, on a uh, really cool night. Well, I think the other thing, too, is, and I think the broad the broadcasters uh, mentioned it on the broadcast, is I know there was only 6,700 fans in there, but those 6,700 fans were going berserk, and they were just acting like absolute Bills Mafia lunatics, and they sounded like 67,000 yeah. fans. And that's, you know, that's, that, that's probably what factored into the game, too, is that there was actually a home field advantage in this game. Yeah, I, I read the same reports, Carlo. Uh, apparently, six, you're absolutely right. 6,700 people uh, filled that whole stadium with uh, with support and noise, and that mm. uh, that would, and that's you know they must have got the most the most rabid of the Bills <laughs> mafia at that game. I, I just want to uh, your perception on this, Carlo. Uh, going going into uh, yesterday's game, um, you had two, the t- probably the two best rushing quarterbacks in the entire league, mm-hmm. Mark Jackson and Josh Allen. And I think both defensive coordinators did an, a remarkable job 
of, of taking away, uh, I, I, I don't remember very few times, if at all, uh, Josh Allen heading downfield in, in yesterday's game, and I was surprised. And, yeah, and, and, and I, the, I Bills, the Bills contained Lamar Jackson uh, in a way that I, I've never really seen him contained. Um, you know, obviously the defensive coordinators focused in. Now, were you a bit surprised by that? I mean, I wasn't because, you know, that's your job as a defensive coordinator to set up a game plan to eliminate the other team's strength. And, the you know, the, the job of the other coordinators is to make adjustments based on, you know, the, the type of uh, offenses that you're seeing or the type of plays that you're seeing develop. So um, it's no secret, you know, Josh Allen is probably one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the league because of his arm and his, his talent and his size and his playmaking abilities and his ability to run the ball. I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson, as explosive as he is and as dynamic as he is, you know, people criticize him for his inability to throw the ball, the deep ball or an accurate ball uh, when it's counted the most. And obviously last night we saw it was, it, it came to fruition because, you know, they weren't able to generate anything through the air. So, um, I mean, as a Bills fan, I would rather not see Josh Allen run the ball as much as he probably wants to because, you know, teams are going to make him a target. And, you know, and, and, and at this time of year, you know, you don't want him taking extra shots that he probably doesn't need to take, especially with the cold weather and, um, you know, making himself more vulnerable than he needs to be. Stay in the pocket, which he has a great presence in doing, and let the referees protect you because if you're in the pocket, the referees aren't going to let you take any big hits. So, um, I, and even in yesterday, he took it, he did a, a pretty good job selling a, a, a personal foul penalty, which probably wasn't a personal foul penalty, but he did it. And that's the respect that he's earned. So, um, I think Josh Allen in particular, his number one option always has to be to uh, throw the ball and because of his, his footwork and his, his ability to run the ball should always be an option number two. Uh, when, I, when they design plays where it's a run first for Josh Allen, I start to cringe a little bit because you never want to see him fall awkwardly the, the wrong way and, 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 you know, have an injury that would devastate this, this Bills team, actually just eliminate them for any type of contention. So, um, I mean, listen, I, I got to give the Bills credit, Brian Dable credit. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, the adjustment they were able to make at halftime, both in the Indianapolis game and in the Baltimore Ravens game, was absolutely impressive. And, you know, nobody really cares how you win games at this time of year. At the end of the day, it's, it's what type, where, what, what side of the result you end up on. And for the Bills, getting home field advantage allowed them to get two wins. And now they represent the AFC Championship. Uh, they're, they're going to the AFC Championship game. So hopefully, you know, Maybe maybe get a home game again if the Browns can find a way to win. I don't know, Lou. How do you feel about today's game? Uh, you know what? It, it's just going to be uh, who's going to stop Kansas City right now? It's going to be a situation where well, you, you know, contain Patrick Mahomes. You got to keep him in the pocket, uh, and you can't let him get outside there because obviously with him being the dual uh, and as good a runner, mind you, he throws the ball at every angle, anyways. Uh, I think it might be, you know, again, you got to stop Tyreek Hill. Yeah. You got to stop Kelsey. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, the, it, it's thing. just like you know, we, we go back to the Baltimore thing. Um, as as good or as bad as Lamar Jackson uh, throws the ball, he really didn't have any receivers other than Mark Andrews to, to throw the ball to. He doesn't yeah. have any weapons that will spread the field uh, for him to 
to force the other team to um, to look at that other option because all you got to do is you, if you stop uh, Lamar Jackson from, from getting outside the pocket, you know you're going to probably take away maybe thirty forty percent of the uh, plays that Baltimore has. Yeah, I, I I think the only chance the Browns have to win this game is if they dominate the run game. If they go out there and control the clock and find a way to to put points on the board, and Nick Chubb and and Kareem Hunt are just you know um, plowing through the defense, I think they give themselves a good chance to win. If they can't establish the run game and they're going to play uh, a track meet game with the with the Chiefs, they got no chance. Yeah, one thing about the Chiefs, they haven't blown anybody out lately. Most no. of their most of their victories in the last uh, last couple of months have been by seven points or less. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's if the Brownies can hang around to the fourth quarter, uh, anything can happen in that game. Uh, Naz, we'll get you back in here. Uh, there's another big game, and I want to run this around the table, and then we'll let Carlo go. Uh, there's another uh, big game this afternoon. Uh, we, we saw we saw one of the greatest of all time yesterday. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Pack look like they are uh, they're going to be a handful. Uh, but we got the Bucks and we got the Saints, two other goats, as the the proverbial name is. We've got Tom Brady against Drew Brees. Both uh, both games this year, uh, Drew Brees, uh, the Saints have pretty easily handled the Bucks, yeah. the Buccaneers. Uh, Naz, uh, your thoughts on the game this afternoon? I think the Bucks are going to get beat again for the third time in New Orleans. Just has their number. You see the Saints winning and winning big. Carlo, I mean, how you uh, how you uh, shaping this game up? Uh, to be honest with you, um, I know in football and in any sport, it's really tough to beat a team twice, sometimes three times. And I know the New Orleans Saints have the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers number because they have blown them out in their previous two meetings. I think the one thing that I love about this matchup is that it's being played indoors because of these two older quarterbacks. You would hate to, to, to have weather uh, play a factor in this game, which would allow the, 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 the entertainment factor to be at an all-time high. Um, I like To me, I look at this matchup and you've seen all the heartbreak that the New Orleans Saints have gone through the last couple of years, and you've seen the GOAT, Tom Brady, excel at this time of year. You give me three points with Tom Brady as my quarterback. I don't care what type of team he's on. I don't care where he's playing the game. I'm taking him and the the, the pedigree that he's created for himself of coming up in big games in the playoffs. I think Tampa Bay's since since that blowout against the the New Orleans Saints got a bye week and they've really come back and found their game. They've been clicking on all cylinders on offense. They found a way to get Antonio Brown included in this offense, which gives them another weapon. I think for the Saints, um, they're, they're, they're missing two key players for today's game. They're missing um, Latavius Murray, the backup running back, and Taysom Hill, who is their gadget guy. And I think that's really going to play, um, you know, it's really going to hurt their their, 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 their their offensive scheme because those guys are included in every you know, offensive play that, that that they design, especially with Taysom Hill and all the trick plays that they can create around him. I think New Orleans gives themselves an edge with their top five defense. But I mean, we're talking about Tom Brady here, who is the, who's the master at you know uh, creating schemes and dissecting defenses. I think uh, there's a lot of people loving the Saints in this matchup. I think rightfully so. I think if, if this game was in a normal year with a with a normal packed house at the Superdome, I would definitely give the Saints the edge. I'm going Bucks in this one, and uh, I'm going to take my chances with Tom Brady here. 
Should be fascinating. Uh, Carlo, we won't take up your time much longer, but we'd be remiss if we didn't at least chat for a couple of minutes about the NHL season, specifically closer to home. We got two Toronto Maple Leafs alumni on the phone here to uh, <laughs> here uh, on this roundtable. Uh, you know, there was a Meat Love song in the 1970s. I'm sure you remember it well. It was called Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Um, Leafs, uh, interesting week. Uh, Carlo, your impressions after it's a it's a, a very very short body of work. Yeah, uh, uh, can can we say two out of three ain't bad? Of course you can. I mean, I I think I said it right from day from the first, the drop of the puck. I said if you expect me to criticize this team and tear them apart before the first five games of the season, do yourself a favor. Don't listen to me because I know exactly the difficulties right now that these players are going through, some of the things they're trying to figure out, some of the things they're trying to learn about each other. I think two out of three, based on the way the season has started, is is absolutely um, you know, satisfying for this group. Uh, this division is going to be very, very tough this year, as we've seen with the other Canadian teams. Um, you know, Ottawa's not going to be uh, an easy out for most teams. They're going to um, you know, make it very difficult for teams to walk out of their games with points. And you've got six teams that six other teams that made the playoffs last year. So it's not going to be, I don't believe there's going to be an easy game every night. And I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to with this Maple Leafs team. And, um, you know, we saw, you know, some, some, uh, some characteristics pop out in game two is I want to know where their mindset is. I want to know if their maturity level has grown because the criticism of this team last year and even with the last couple of years with this core group is, when they win, they talk and they play like they're the best team in the world. And when they lose, they have all the excuses in the world. And you would have to think that bringing in guys like Joel Thornton and Wayne Simmons and bringing back Jason Spezza and bringing in a Zach Bogosian and TJ Brody, that narrative was going to change with this group because their maturity level was going to change. Guys were going to be more professional about the way they handle their business. And, you know, coming out of game two, you kind of, you know, resorted back to those same criticisms. But their response in yesterday's game was exactly what I expected out of this group. It wasn't pretty. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just, they have to get the result that they want. And, um, you know, they did get the result. They've won two of their first three games. And they're still learning a lot about the group that they have. And that's what, that's, you know, Sheldon Keefe has addressed that with, you know, some of his lineup decisions and, and some of the way he does things throughout the game with his, um, you know, with the schemes that he creates. These guys had no preseason. And, you know, preseason is when you learn a lot about who you have. Uh, you get your guys a chance to gel. And you get better when you play games, not when you practice. Um, you, 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 you sharpen the details. You, you fine-tune your details in practice. But as a team, you learn a lot of learn a lot about each other and your teammates in a game, and I think that's what the Maple Leafs are still doing. Freddie Anderson has to be the guy carrying this team, and he's looked a little bit shaky to me uh, in his first two starts. I think you got to be really, really happy that the Maple Leafs won a game with their backup goaltender, and we can eliminate that conversation. And he did it playing a very good game, um, and that's going to be that's going to be needed and counted on even more throughout this season as a priority because of the condensed schedule. You can't play Freddie every game. You're going to have to get points out of your backup goaltender, and I think that's what they got last night, and that's what the Jack Campbell's going to have to provide for this team. So all in all, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that you're, you're, you're content with, but you're satisfied with the results so far, and you hope 
that they continue to learn and progress uh, moving forward. Luke, first impressions. First impressions are you you want to try to get as many points at the start of the year as you possibly exactly. can because once teams start adjusting to everybody's uh, style and, and and watching the way they play, the the game the points are going to be are going to be a lot harder as the season goes on. Uh, two points now is probably the best thing for them. Uh, and and again, a, a win's a win. Uh, this team is still, uh, I think, very immature. But we'll see uh, 10 or 15 or 20 games into the season, yeah. see if these guys turn it around. And I think with with, Pat, with Frederick Anderson playing as, um, I'm not saying as bad as he did uh, the first two games, I think there's going to be a serious question on whether Jack Campbell could be that number one goalie going down the stretch. Uh, and if he keeps winning the games with, uh, with Frederick, uh, not playing as inconsistent, uh, as he has been. Uh, on that note, Carlo, we've taken up enough of your time just to remind our listeners, Carlo Koliakabo, co-host TSN's first up. Listen to him Monday to Friday, Monday morning, Monday to Friday morning, six to nine, six to ten. Sorry, Carlo. With Michael Landsberg. It's a great show. I highly encourage our listeners to listen it and catch up on the sports world. Thanks, Carlo. Plug, boys. Appreciate Bye. it. Always love coming out with you guys. It's fun talking sports on a Sunday morning, especially after, uh, after the Bills you know, a great win. Well, Bills win. <laughs> hey, East hey, win. Raptors win. It was a good day yesterday. Carlo, <laughs> Carlo roll tide. <laughs> roll tide, yes. I uh, you know. We're not getting back into a college football. We're done with college football. Anyways, hey, Carlo. Lou. Hey, Lou. Hey, Lou. Yeah, let's hear let's hear the dog pound bark today. Go brown. Okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, I want another dog barking in the background. Anyways, let's uh, let's uh, let's leave it on that, Carlo. You know how much we appreciate this. We wish you the best. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, All right, Carlos. Anytime. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks, Carlo Koliakovo. We've got, got to go to break, and uh, after the break, uh, we're gonna have we're gonna catch up on the sports and uh, uh, a tsunami, an earthquake this week. In the sports card world, uh, we'll talk about that with John Amendola, the uh, chief executive of Mintink. Uh, as he says, it's time to cash in. You listen to those Mintink commercials on our show. It's time to cash in, and somebody certainly did this week. And uh, the market for sports cards keeps on booming. We'll talk to John Amendola as soon as we come back from the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the Medium Gourmet Pizza Special. Get a Medium Gourmet Pizza for just $13.99. That's like flying first class when you only paid economy. You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth. Instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat, then the guy in front of you decides to recline his Pizzaville, seat. Pizzaville, stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. 
They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigobon Carly, the intelligent choice. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. His only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon. And as usual with me, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Also joining us this morning, Leapin' Lou Franceschetti. And we're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, the Chief Executive Officer of Minting Inc., John Amendola. John. How are Wally, you, this Naz, Lou? How are you guys this morning? Good morning, John. We're, Good morning. we're doing great, uh, John. I uh, I take it you weren't able to watch the Leafs game or the Bills game last night because you're you're busy on Saturday. Night. Well, uh, we no 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 no. We got like a game plan. We have to make adjustments. So we have a, <laughs> a we had a TV. We have TVs and cameras everywhere in the studio. So the games were up, and like Carlos said, it was a great day for Toronto sportsmen. Sorry, I'm a little raspy today. I was screaming, "Let's go!" until four o'clock this morning. So. Uh, just to let let our list fill our listeners in on what you actually do Saturday nights. So so we um, Saturday nights, not just Saturday nights anymore, yep. Wally. A few nights now. Yep. We um, we have a live show called Braid, Breaks After Dark, and what we do um, is basically uh, the long short of it is we open hockey, baseball, soccer, football, basketball, wrestling, golf. Basically, if, if they make a card. Man, we've even opened uh, Frozen in, in one episode, and we pulled some pretty awesome Elsa cards. But we have a show where we're, um, we're opening cards for people. We're, we're doing what's called breaks and personal. So whether they're opening for themselves or multiple, multiple people are taking part in the break. But essentially, the, the card world is so much more. I mean, okay, $6 million cards is one thing. $5.2 million U.S. dollar cards is one thing. But from an entertainment factor, like Wally, we have 100 people watching us live at any given time, um, you know, and people are coming in and out, in and out, in and out. And, and we stream on multiple channels. There's there's cameras from every which angle. And, uh, you know, like you guys on your show, we'll bring in special guests. Actually, you guys just had Carlo on. Um, he'll jump on with us a lot of Saturdays. We'll just talk about what's going on that week in sports. Um, and it's become a lot of fun. since. And since we talked, I think it was in end of November, beginning of December, when when we talked about Gretzky. Even though that was only about six weeks ago, a lot has changed. Uh, John, during the subject speed uh, this week, the Holy Grail of sports cards, the Mickey Mantle nineteen fifty two tops, sold for five point two million dollars U.S. Okay, so there's a couple. You're one hundred percent right. PSA nine. So there's three of them. Uh, sorry, there's three PSA 10s out there. This card was a PSA 9, second from the best. And I think there's only a few dozen of them. And and I know you know, Wally, and for your listeners that don't know, the Mickey Mantle, 52 tops Mickey Mantle, is the Mona Lisa of sports cards. There's the Michael Jordan. There's the Wayne Gretzky. There's some new cards that they just found from a, a, a set called Exquisite that is um, so Kobe Bryant and LeBron James, uh, one of ones. 
Um, there's the T2206 Onus Wagner card, but then there's the Mickey Mantle. So the same card, Evan Mathis, uh, linebacker, NFL linebacker, sold the same card for $2.8 million two years ago. This was sold $5.2 million to actor Rob Go, and he, he referenced it being the Mona Lisa of sports cards. And if you remember... When I was with you guys a few months ago, the first time on the show, I was talking about how sports cards, and Wally, if you remember back to the summer when we had lunch, sports cards becoming like fine art of, of today. So not only um, did that happen, what, what it's done is it's, it's just set the bar, you know, again, um, and, and now the cards in front of it, i.e. this 10, now we could be staring at what is, what is potentially a $10 million plus dollar sports card. Um, and, and on the way down, so a PSA 1, which is the worst possible card you can find. I think you told me a story about, you know, you passed up on one a number of years ago. Yeah. Well, a PSA, a PSA 1 now, and to give you perspective to the Wayne Gretzky thing, where a PSA 1 is around 1500 bucks, uh, Mickey Mantle PSA 1 is 20000 U.S. dollars. That's, that's, is there, is this no sign of this market, market uh, stabilizing or slowing down? Forget about it crashing. Well, but, yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. So essentially, um, the it's only I, I still tell you the same analogy um, from when we spoke the first time. If we're in a baseball game, we're in and around maybe the bottom of the second, top of the third. Uh, people have to look past just last year. 2019 was a record year for tops, and 2008 to 2019, the trading card market outperformed the S and P by. Um, several hundred percent. So it's not a new thing. Um, what's happened the last year has just been insane. And the institutional money you're, you're talking about, you, you, you brought up on one of the first episodes, um, Raleigh Road. So there, there's hedge funds now, Wally, guys creating $100 million hedge funds going out to invest into the space. Uh, we could see the market double or triple again this year. And the manufacturers are doing it right this time. They're not overproducing. They're, you know, Supply and demand, so, you know, it does suck sometimes. Uh, products tough to get are very expensive. But at the same time, you know, we can't dilute the market and uh, and watch it go away. So it's definitely become a commodity. It's definitely become um, a piece of art. And then what's, what's also happened, our angle, um, you know, multi-service, we do a lot of appraising, grading, high-end cards, all that. But the entertainment value um, is just, you know, the next level. Naz? John, you say you have wrestling cards. When did they start those? And did, did Sweet Daddy CC have one? <laughs> I, 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 what did you say? I lost you at the beginning. We do this show remotely, so sometimes uh, the yeah. volume isn't the best. But he says, when did uh, when did wrestling cards come out? And does Sweet Daddy Tiki have a wrestling Sweet card? Daddy Tiki. Okay, no. <laughs> let me tell you. Okay, so so that's another one. Wrestling cards. So we're opening wrestling cards that are, you know, these are, are regular, what you would expect. A box of cards is $80, $100. You know, a pack is 5 bucks. But there's a set of wrestling cards. 1982 Wrestling All-Stars, okay? And you've got Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, and Ric Flair rookie cards. The Andre the or the Hulk Hogan, it, same thing. You're, you're, I, I don't know what it's up to now. The last record a few months back was thirty, forty thousand bucks. The Rock oh rookie God. sold, you know, for ten or twenty thousand. I um, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I have a Kobe Bryant uh, refractor rookie. That was a four thousand dollar card in October, and it's an eight thousand dollar card today. And you know, you, you you know, some the other way. I'll give you a great example of of the hype machine. Tiger Woods rookie 
was a PSA 10 sitting at around three or $400 for the longest time with a population of 10,000. So although, you know, golf is global and, you know, sure at a, a seven or 8 billion people, we can find 10,000 people that want to mint Tiger Woods, but you know, there's only three Mickey Mantle. So the Tiger Woods rookie based on this, um, you know, unofficial documentary had spiked up to as high as 13 or $1,400 in the last month. And it's settled back now to around seven or eight hundred. So that's what you're seeing every time this happens is the floor just just gets that much higher. So we all knew the amount of people that were trying to sell me Tiger Woods cards in the last few weeks. You know, we all knew it was going back down, but now it's settled at you know double where it was a month ago. Anyway, four hundred, fourteen hundred, back to eight hundred in a four week span. It's like um. Um, I give you the best analogy. You're looking at it saying these goats, like the Mickey Mantles and the Wayne Gretzky's, are treated like ETFs, okay? And and you're going to take rookies and and uh, new all stars, wax that kind of stuff, more as you know, um, penny stocks and IPOs. That that would be the the comp comparison, maybe to to the stock market, if you will. We're we're talking to John Amendola, the uh, CEO of Mintink Inn, and and as we uh, he advertises on the show, and as if you listen to the ad, it's, it's time to cash in. Oh, by the way, John, if, in that 1981 Wrestling All Stars, if you're able to find me an Ernie the Cat Lad, uh, I, I want I want to put my order in for an Ernie the Cat Lad uh, in, wrestling in PSA, card. PSA ten in a PSA ten. I love it. <laughs> See if you can dig me up. I'm sure Nez has got some favorites. I have Ernie the Cat Lad. I got it. 38 bucks. Merry Christmas. I'm going to have this card to you. And it's got to show the back of his jacket. Promises, promises. Okay. All right. I'm going to find you this card. Just to give you an example. That's how easy it was. While you were saying, I just found you one for $15.31. So it's not quite Mickey Mantle, Wally, but, you know, let's go. I'm sure Naz has got a favorite wrestler. So Naz, I'm going to order it now. John, um, Charlie Woods, Tiger's son. How popular would his card be if it's producing? That kid is, you know, so so there's already a lot of hype around around him. And, you know, like, like it's, it's hard to say he's only 11, but there's a lot of talk about this kid already. So, you know, you bring up a valid point. And, and the one thing you got to look at, and, and if you really understand and you appreciate it for, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to not knock the hobby, but we're talking about $5 million cards now. So, if we look at go so so right now I'm buying a lot of Vince Carter, Kevin Durant, Venus and Serena Williams. So these people that I feel that are, you know, Hall of Fame caliber or or in some cases, you know, ghosts that aren't there. So here's an interesting one. Here's one for you guys. Let's stay tuned and see what happens with Roger Clemens, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, because right now the, the these nineties, late eighties, early nineties era guys, um, you know, are, are, are very cheap because we all know why. So we wonder, you know, um, and, and you guys are, are far more into that side of it than I would be with, with your, with your history. But, you know, if they decide to have that, what do we call it? The Asterix era for, for Cooperstown, you know, what happens there? Like, no, no people aren't buying Roger Clement cards or, 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 um, uh, Barry Bonds cards like they're buying Mike Trout cards, for example. And, you know, Mike Trout's still, still just a young, young boy, but because of, of the whole stairway thing. So it's really interesting. Um, there is a lot of a hype uh, for Cernaz and stuff like that, but I mean, the kid's 11 and they're already, uh, I mean, you watch that game when they're using his shots instead of his dad. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Lou? Hi, Mike. Hi, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, who is the so-called 
if we were out there looking for cards and we went to a card show, who would be the guys out there that we'd want to more or less spend a few bucks to keep it in uh, under your pillow for a number of years, even though we probably won't be around? Maybe pass it on to our grandkids that, that so, might have... So- uh, and that's what value. a lot of people you you you'd be surprised at. And Lou, I promise you, when this when this when this COVID stuff is over, uh, we're going to get that appointment. We had to reschedule a couple times, but I look forward to spending some time with you. But um, like I just said, I think the consensus is you know obviously we want to be um, uh, from a long term investment point of view, you just, you can't go wrong with goats. So you're looking at you know um, you're looking at the Bobby Ors, the Gordy Howes, the Mantles. You're looking at the the Messiers and the Gretzkys and uh, you're looking at the Michael Jordans and the Larry Birds, and, and even in current, you know, basketball, like I said, we're talking about Kobe, Vince Carter, um, baseball. You know, Mike Trout was a, was an MVP by 24. So, again, if, if I were to give it to you like a stock market, market analogy from a portfolio point of view, uh, imagine like an ETF, an ETF managed funds. The Fortune 500 is these Hall of Fame goats, Brady, Mahomes, LeBron. And then the balance would be, you know, the rookies. Like we're talking about, you know, um, Alexis Lafreniere is the hottest card in the hockey market, you know, and he's barely touched the ice. Uh, we're uh, talking John, to John Amendola. Go ahead, Ness. Um What about Nick Saban at the college level? So, so call, believe it or not, Naz, there's not much action in college at all. Mostly, um, you know, from, from a from a collector point of view, especially in in the U.S., you will find you know people that collect the college. But the college products uh, in all sports, there's there's collegiate products that come out usually at the beginning of the season. So right now, for the new basketball, if you want to chase a Lamelo Ball rookie, for example, you can only get it in collegiate products. However. Nobody wants to chase him in his school uniform. They want to chase him. Um, they want to chase him in the uh, in his in his NBA uniform. So that's the difference. So the, the the collegiate. And I heard you guys talking about you know that the that Alabama team and everything earlier. And you know you got Trevor Lawrence and these guys until he's in a Jaguars uniform on a card. The market just won't be the same. So example is. The Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods were two examples you gave up, and Nike actually had promo cards of them the year before Upper Deck released their official trading card. So there's a 1984 Michael Jordan and a 2000 Tiger Woods, but they're not deemed um, the rookie cards. So same kind of thing, a little bit different reasoning, but there there is some method behind the madness of the game, if you will. Naz, last question for John. Do you have a, a collectibles uh Part of your operation, also, where so, it has the collect member. Yeah, we're starting to dabble. Um, you know, c- custom merch. Uh, we've got a few artists. Um, we just signed a deal with the with the Jay Geeker Studios out of uh, out of out of Washington D.C. Um, and Montreal. They're they're very big into the sport prints, uh, original rookie prints. We do some other custom stuff. Memorabilia, Naz, is a whole other animal. It's starting to catch on, but. To give you an example, um, because it is a question we get asked a lot, uh, you know, a, a thing about it, it's a lot harder to display some jerseys in a sticks than it, it would be to display a couple of, a couple of cards. Um, I'd say for every, every hundred phone calls we get, there are only about one or, or two people are asking about memorabilia. So it's just not there yet. Um, again, a little bit different. Memorabilia is, I believe, for the most part, um, you know, again, it's not looked upon the same way, um, art, if you will. Uh, Rob Go bought the mantle card because it was 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 the mona lisa of cards so um you know uh, you're talking about a puck that that lemieux scored in 87 with gretzky passing him the puck maybe like i would have to go that extreme Kawhi's shoes from from the shot 
but but every just you know your your stick puck helmet jersey um different market uh you know it definitely doesn't cater to the masses the same way so it does exist it's not something that we're we're overly into at the moment now this day and age in the world of sports cards and memorabilia nothing surprises me on that note john uh thank you so much for joining us thank you for uh Bringing us up to speed on uh, sports card market. Mickey Mantle. Thanks for having me. Wally, the next time you have a chance to buy Mickey Mantle, don't say no. Oh, I think I had a chance in 1971, and I think it was like about 50, 60 bucks. My God. Wow. That's okay. Oh, well, what are you going to do? On that note, we've got to run, John. Thank you. You guys have a great rest of the day. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Naz, we'll pass the 10 10 o'clock witching hour. Last word. Ernie the cat. Uh, <laughs> can't wait to get that card. 38 bucks. Lou, thanks so much for joining us. We always appreciate it. To uh, all our loyal listeners, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Stay safe. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.